elasticity. And as introduced at the start, it's all about um, the relationship between price and quantity. So that internal logic that I just talked about, price is going up, price is going down, that might actually have a big jump in quantity change, quantity demanded, or it, have, it might have a, a proportional smaller change in quantity demanded. And that's what elasticities are, effectively. It's that proportion of how much change in the relative percentage change in quantity to how price changes. Yeah. So there's a certain quality of supply and a certain quality of demand that are reflected in what we call elasticities. And that is diagrammatically represented by the gradient of the curve, effectively. So, uh, so think of elasticities as of the gradients of the curve to what the proportion of price change is to, to quantity change. So for example, um, we can look at elasticities of demand and elasticities of supply. So if a price goes up, you know, we look at the elasticity of demand in terms of how much people will want to buy more of that stuff or not buy more of that stuff. Uh, we'll just, and that's what this, um, uh, just, we'll just uh, go through a couple of the, uh, the qualities of these elasticities. And you'll probably read more of it in the chapter because I don't want to confuse you. We've covered a heck of a lot of basic stuff. But uh, these are the sort of the broad principles. And I like to use this idea of a, a rubber band, elasticities. You know, how elastic does quantity change? depending on price change. So if that's what, think elasticities, think about gradients, but also think of that rubber band, you know, how elastic does demand quantity change depending on price. Uh, and there are reasons for that. There are reasons for the, the rubber band being really tight, tightly wound, and reasons why it's really elastic, and really you know, doesn't, you know, it, it can have a, you know, a big change depending on price. Uh, and these reasons uh, will be here. Substitutability, people might substitute to a different good or service. So if they didn't want to buy a, a house from JG Gardner, they'd go to a, another brand, you know, theory, if you were just talking about brands of housing, for instance. So it all depends if there's a substitute good. Basic economic textbooks, we look at margarine and butter, I think is usually the, the classic go-to, isn't it? Um, I think with, with property, you know, is there, a, at a big level, we could argue, you know, is there a substitute for a house? Is there a substitute for shelter? Well. Obviously, no. You know? so, so that's what makes the picture a little bit more complex. Um, there's little things like proportion of income, you know, in terms of how much people got to spend on houses as a proportion of other things they have to pay for. You know, necessity goods, you know, loaf of bread, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, what's a luxury, what's a necessity, um, dependency on stuff, brand loyalty, uh, determinants of demand, other basic economic textbooks. I'm going back to my A-levels 25 years ago, but they always... I think things like uh, addictive substances, fags and booze is always the one, isn't it? You know, if people are dependent on something, they're still going to want to buy more or the same, whatever the price does. And that's how you, know, you see there's that cigarette example of, you know, you put them up to whatever they're worth, whatever you pay for a pack of fags these days. I've got no idea. Um, but, yeah, you can see that principle, like there's certain things that why demand will do what it does because of that dependency. Um, brand loyalty is another one. Um, uh, time and duration, which is sort of important for housing, isn't it? Because of that uh, durability of whether it's a castle that could be centuries in, in duration or whether it's um, a short time frame. Theoretically speaking, you don't really need to know the theoretics, but hopefully we're showing different types of elasticities. You know, when I talked about gradients and how a change in price, you know, will, will affect the amount that's, uh, of quantity that, that increases. Um, so you can have situations where... Um, 
you've got a, a, a normal a normal demand curve, which is that sort of 45 degree, or you could have things that, that are, you know, highly inelastic. So it doesn't matter what the price does, the quantity that people buy is still the same. People will still want to buy a house, for instance. <laughs> um, so that's that's where the elasticity sort of theory comes in. Same on the supply side as well. Interestingly, on the supply side, ideas around long run, short run, it's worth exploring because that makes the picture a bit more interesting. Because especially with terms of housing and durability of housing, what happens in the short term in terms of what's put on the market, and in the long term what's put on the market, there's, there's various different differences there. So it's, um, be conscious of that. And there's one thing I hope you do come away with today, because I just want to give you the, the sort of the, the basics, is this idea of, well, property, housing, there's a, there's a certain sector of property uh, that are being developed out. Is this argument that it's, it's got an inelastic supply? Goes back to those principles about heterogeneity of housing and uh, being fixed to the earth. You know, there's only so much land available, it's finite, or each individual point on the earth is finite um, what's the uh, what's the, what's what's the adage you know buy land and they're not making any more of it I think that's the uh, the adage isn't it so there's only a fixed amount of, of land and that's you know very much um, demonstrated in these these diagrams and in in our in intuitive um, logic that it's, it's it's inelastic it doesn't matter what the demand is you know because supply is relatively inelastic um, you can keep going up the, uh, you know, if you start mapping demand curves and demand increases, me or you want to buy properties and more properties, the price will just go up because um, the supply of land and the, and the supply of those projects are very finite and limited. People will still pay whatever because land's fixed. And that's what is very, 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 very specific to what we're doing here in property. Um, is that, you know, real sort of finite nature of, of property. Uh, and I think what I'm arguing that there's, there's no substitutes for, for an individual piece of land. That's that's the argument, isn't it? Unless, point two there, you know, if you look at United Arab Emirates, is it in Dubai where people build build more land? That's another way of sort of building more supply, isn't it? Uh, so so there are ways in which that happens. Uh, more interesting ways of looking, you know, building into climate change. Uh, certainly in Holland, there's lots of, you know, Holland is sort of pretty much built on... Um, uh, Reclaim land. You know, I'm just thinking that gets me thinking about Wellington, for instance. You know, reclaim land there at the harbour. So you can build out supply, but it's a lot uh, hard to do, and it's a, and it's a long-term um, development and increase in supply. Um, houseboats is another way you can think about you know, different ways in which people live. So it's going back to the fundamentals of, of what the purpose of the goods and service you're looking at. And if we're looking at housing, it might not necessarily be on terra firma. It might actually be on a houseboat or whatever it is. And as sea levels rise, that's, we might all be living in houseboats in some sort of you know, water world situation. So I'm being a bit flippant, but yeah, it's, it's part of the solution. There's some, there's some really good studies into sort of um, um, you know, land reclamation and um, um, certainly um, different forms of housing in a you know in a in a realm of um, climate change, sea level rise, etc. So supply highly inelastic in the property world.